Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, October 24th. Stand by whatever lessons you've learned from life. People may urge you to see things their way, but the only truth you can ever really know is one you've experienced for yourself. Change your mind only when new experience obliges you to see things differently. I am exceedingly impressed by how many of the daily suggestions in this book or stand by your own experience. Don't give in. Don't let other people tell you what to do. Don't sacrifice your principles. Recently it said cooperate with other people, but be willing to be burned at the stake if necessary. Whoa! <laughs> Is, and on the other hand, of course, the necessity to consider other people's points of view, to be open to what people say, to listen, to cooperate, to be supportive. I mean, these are also values, but the that and I haven't I haven't done a um, a survey. It might be worth doing a survey. How many stand by your principles are there in this book compared to cooperate with others in this book? So there there is what what is also happening here is there's a kind of first things first energy that I think Swamiji is, is trying to put out for us. I mean it says seek ye first the king, kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. But I think what he's saying is that we must, our, our life must be based on a strong foundation of personal integrity. And personal integrity that comes from clarity, that is not just stubborn, um, uh, stubborn uh, holding to our point of view. And I think that is an important distinction that actually needs to be made here. There's a phrase that Swami would use sometimes, which was pig-headed. I don't know where pig-headed comes from, but he would refer to someone as being somewhat pig-headed. And what that, it's an awful phrase, isn't it? But it's vivid. But it, it's not the same as standing by your principles. It's just holding on to whatever you think is true or, or refusing to listen, refusing to change your mind, even in the face of real evidence. And that's being pig-headed. It's my point of view and I'm going to stick with it. And that's why he's, he, he, in this one particularly, he's saying, go by your own experience and don't change your mind until you have a different experience that actually shows you that's true. So that's, that's not being pig-headed, that's being firm-minded. I can be quite determined in my point of view, and I'm not, as someone graciously put it to me, I'm not right as often as I think I am, which I thought was a very, very well-phrased statement, which I do remember. But I'm always extremely interested in hearing the counter-argument. It's not like I want to be right. I want to be in harmony with the truth. And if someone just tells me I'm wrong and I should do it differently, that just doesn't mean anything to me. You have to give me something that is actually more persuasive, has more truth in it, than what I have come to after a great deal of thought and always you know, paying attention to my experience. 
Now, when Swami Kriyananda would say anything, even if it was contrary to what I'd experienced to that point, what I had also experienced was the chance that he was probably right. <laughs> because in a contest between his wisdom and mine, with I would say without exception, he always knew something that I didn't know. And even if I couldn't grasp it in the moment, part of my experience was that it behooved me to stand back a little and at least consider very seriously and calmly whatever it was he was saying to me. He actually, at one point, we were I was arguing about something because I never hesitated to argue. And he, he got a little... This was the closest he ever got to getting impatient with me. He said, Asha, you're going to agree with me later anyway, so why don't you just be quiet for now? <laughs> I think he was sort of... and But he was telling me, you're not thinking, Asha, you're just reacting. And so that's not the same as defending your principles, just reacting. And I don't want to do it for whatever reason. Be quiet, think about it. Because he knew whenever I would think about it, and then when I would come back, it would not be, oh, I've decided to suppress what I think. I think you're wrong, but you have more authority than I. I never came back to him like that. I would come back to him with a greater understanding. And now I had new evidence or new experience when I really calmed down and put my mind to it. But I wasn't abdicating my one point of view until I really understood the second one. But I, as I said, part of my experience was, and, and part of his experience was with me, was that, that soon, usually soon, I would see what he meant. And then when I got it, then I would, I would change. So we're not, it's not that we're not trying to change. It's that we, we don't want to be pig-headed and stubborn in our reaction and refuse to believe that anybody knows something we don't know. And you can feel those things in yourself. I, we're in, this is being recorded in the middle of this 2020 COVID experience where we're all a little bit, um, or more than a little bit, I'm, I'm in California, where we're still in a pretty serious state of shutdown. And it, within the Ananda community, um, we, we're also following somewhat stricter guidelines to keep our community intact. And I being elder, so they tell me, I'm 73 years old, um, very, therefore more, more vulnerable, and because I have certain responsibilities, I'm, I'm even more restricted. And uh, I got tired of it. <laughs> it's just pretty much the way I could put it. I got tired of it, and so I started creating evidence for not having to conform anymore. And I just started creating it out of nowhere. I didn't know that I was doing it. And then I kind of went around, you know, around sneaking around the back like a rebellious teenager, you know, with a, a pea gun shooting, you know, peas at, at people who are trying to conform like this, until my friend, who is actually the one making the rules, wrote me a simple email, this is not helpful. And, oh, and, and then I just had to think. I wasn't going from evidence or from experience or from wisdom. I was just impatient. And I had, I had to just look, and I realized I was completely making up. I was making up a whole story of why it was all okay, based on pretty much nothing, not totally nothing, but pretty much nothing, just because I wanted it to be different. Okay, that's not principle. That's just stubbornness. So if we're going to stand by our principles, if we're going to stand by our own experience, 
we have to do it exceedingly honestly. Exceedingly honestly. Which, is, which does mean we have to listen. Which does mean we have to examine our own hearts. And the heart, the heart chakra in the yogic science, is, is the point of bondage. Because reason always follows feeling. If we have a feeling that, we, that, that is compelling us, the, the mind will follow those, those reasonings. In Nazi Germany, you wonder how so many highly educated, intelligent people could actually believe that exterminating the Jews was a good idea. Except they did. People who are artistic, who are refined, who are sophisticated by any standard, managed to persuade themselves that this was a good idea because there was a feeling in them of destiny, of the desire for dominance, of the superiority of their own race, or whatever it was. They, you know, It was very interesting when I was in Jerusalem uh, six months ago. I went for the first time to this extraordinary museum they have there. Really, it's a, it's a brilliant piece of work. And one of the displays that was there was this whole thing about how all these, uh, some of the most influential people in that regime were some of the most brilliant, most educated, most promising young men of the times. And they were kind of a, a coterie, a cohort. Um, and they were all convinced of you know what turned out to be a monstrous philosophy because their feelings were involved and their feelings of egoic greatness. And so their, their brains just cooperated with them and only later did the folly of it come about. So we have to be careful to make sure that our heart is actually impartial. Even just the little story I was telling you about making up evidence as to why we really didn't have to pay attention to, to the protective um, rules we have in place. I didn't really have any evidence, but I wanted it to be true. So when we're just holding on to a principle because I want it to be true, that's a false principle. Now, that's how we learn, though. But Swamiji, even still, and this is what's so interesting to me, he still continually emphasizes with very few caveats, you know, stand by what you understand to be true, but don't stand by it just because it's yours. And, and again, as I was saying, the likes and dislikes of the heart, we have to always ask, you know, why am I clinging to this? And, and when you find yourself clinging to a principle and other people are not in favor of it, stop and ask yourself, why am I clinging to this? And, and if you can say as clear as you're able to be, because I deeply in myself believe it's true, and even though they disagree with me, Nothing they have said is more compelling to me than what I already know. I've been involved for about a year now in a very confusing situation within our community in which, you know, people that are my dear friends whom I respect spiritually and in every other way, we just hold very opposite points of view in a situation in which we're not both going to get our way. And I have repeatedly tried to be wrong. I've, I've wanted to be wrong because if I can genuinely and sincerely feel that I am wrong, I could end the conflict. And so I keep trying. And I, I call people and I, I mean, I call as many people as will listen to me. I'm not on the phone every day. But every time it occurs to me 
that maybe I could get good input from someone, I will, I will present my point of view, not for the sake of persuading them, but exactly the opposite, for the sake of them persuading me that I'm wrong because it's, there's too much at stake. And if I could be wrong, then at least I could create harmony, which is also important. But for whatever it's worth, fortunately or unfortunately, nothing that I've been able to see so far has, has changed my mind. So I'll just, I'll stand here until, but the prayer is always there. It's not just because it's what I think, it's because I can't find an integrous way to abandon it. And, and that's what Swami's really talking about. Don't just become fond of your own ideas. Swami talked about the difficulty of, that writers have sometimes, some writers, and they really can't edit their own writing, is because every, every idea is a precious child, and I'm not going to put that idea out on the porch and let it get eaten by wolves. You know, I have to keep it within the confines of my manuscript. But very often in our manuscripts, we just have too many words. I loved a, a wonderful book review that said, the main problem with this book is there are too many pages between the front and back cover. <laughs> Which is, the book needed to be edited. And, and somebody, Swamiji's phrase is, as an editor of your own writing, you have to be ruthless. You have to be willing to see that beautiful as this idea is and as perfectly expressed as it is, it does not belong in this book. It has to be put out on the porch and eaten by wolves. In the computer now, or even still, you can, you can keep the paper. I have this little file called Worthwhile But Not Usable Bits, and I never look at it, but I know it's there. So my precious ideas are not being eaten by wolves. So we have to be ruthless have to be absolutely ruthless in our self-honesty. And if we're absolutely ruthless in our self-honesty and very attentive to truth, no matter who's speaking it, no matter what the consequences to me, to be very attentive to truth, then you can stand by your principles. That then everything Swami says here is true. And, and you learn to be like that by making mistakes and not being like that. So, so his emphasis on building your own strength and building your own confidence of necessity means that a lot of times you'll do it wrong. But you'll be moving in the direction that will be your strength in the end. Because we just can't be will of the wisps in this, in this world. There's too much delusion. And there's too many deluded people who are just as eager to, to, to have their way, their stubborn will, and you, you can't just make yourself subject to them just because they ask you. Truth has to be your guide in all circumstances. So Swami says, Stand by whatever lessons you've learned from life. People may urge you to see things their way, but the only truth you can ever really know is one you've experienced for yourself. Change your mind only when new experience obliges you to see things differently. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.